Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Well, thanks for joining me for another episode. I want to talk about something that I think is important. I see it a lot. And I call it frugality syndrome. Frugality, obviously, being frugal with one's money, would inherently suggest of spending less than someone makes. And I have found that frugality is a really important component in building wealth. And I think it's almost intuitively obvious, right? And based on my experience of um, clients that have built, built wealth, I find really only one common denominator. And um, when, when we look at a person's income, a person's profession, what they've invested in, I don't see that investing in the stock market is better for building wealth than the real estate market. I don't see that earning $5 million a year is any guarantee whatsoever that a person would build, build wealth. I once had a client that actually earned $5 million a year, and you know what uh, their net worth was? A minus $3.5 million. That's right. They were insolvent. So earning a lot of money isn't a common denominator or or one's profession or one's education. I find it really comes down to one thing that most everybody that builds wealth has, and that's the ability to be frugal, right? Living on less than they make. So I want to talk a, a little bit about that. And recently I I wrote a column on this, and I opened it by talking about the fact that I have I am a closet pyromaniac, love fires. <laughs> that may have been the only reason I was a Boy Scout, as I just love building the campfire and tending to the campfire. And I remember, I I think it might have been a year ago that my son gave me one of the best birthday gifts ever. He created a flamethrower. Actually, it's the second flamethrower that he ever gave me. The first one, I think it operated off of an aerosol can or something. But this time, he bought a real flamethrower and set up balloons and pine cones and all sorts of things in our driveway for me to burn. And uh, there are videos of uh, me engaging in this that probably... We'll never see the light of day. <laughs> but uh, it, was a, it was a great time. And, and I said all that to say that starting a fire is easier than putting one out. And I was using that in the context. There's a movement called the FIRE movement. It's a financial independence, retire early is what it stands for. 
and it ad advocates extreme frugality so a person can retire early and some of the goals are retiring even as early as say age 30 or 35 or 40. I was talking with this uh, about the fire movement with uh, my associate uh, Nathan Gehring and he said something that made a lot of sense to me. He said the biggest challenge with the fire uh, plan isn't implementing it, which I thought, you know, the average person's not going to be able to do this, not going to choose to do this. But he said the, the biggest problem is stopping it. And I thought that was uh, uh, really interesting. Frugality can be somewhat natural, but it also can be an acquired habit that a, that a person builds. But it, it really, to work well, I mean, it becomes a lifestyle, right? A habit, a, a super ingrained habit. And so I have found that while many of my clients were never part of the FIRE movement, I mean, I don't know what the average age of my client is, but I, sus I suppose they're in their 60s, average. And the fire movement's relatively uh, new. But, I mean, many of my clients have been practicing fire all their lives, you know, being frugal. And what I have noticed is it's really hard to pivot from the mode of accumulating and being frugal, saving rather than spending, to spending rather than saving. I mean, think about it. When you retire, let's uh, define retirement as when you're not working for an income. Anymore. The money needs to come from somewhere. And Social Security is one thing that all of us have. There's a few few of us that have worked for the government or in the teaching profession that will have some type of state-sponsored pension. There's a few corporate-sponsored pensions out there, but not, not many. But by and large, we need to draw our income from what we've saved. And so starting to draw the income, starting to draw a regular income from your retirement savings can be an incredibly um, emotional event. Because what the message has been, it's better to save than spend, right? All sorts of money scripts around if you are spending from your retirement plan, you are putting yourself in financial danger, right? You can't don't spend your principal. So these are money scripts that are appropriate when you're 20 or 30, 40, or certainly when you're working and you're accumulating, right? You can't accumulate if you spend it. <laughs> so working with those parts of us when we hit that time of retirement, and now we say you've got to spend, to survive. This can be difficult. In fact, it can be so difficult 
that I've had clients that have not been able to stop working and that are still working well into their 70s. Just because um, they'll look at the paper, they'll look at the reports, they'll see the money, they'll hear me say, you're fine, you can, you can quit anytime. But uh, deep within, there is a really, really scared part of themselves that just cannot accept that fact. So, you know, that obviously there is an opportunity for financial therapy to look at all of the messages that are around saving and not spending. And I can't tell you, well, yeah, generally it's here, here, here's the police, here's the messages, because they can come from all sorts of different beliefs and all sorts of historical events. I think I've, I've mentioned this one before in podcasts, but I had a client once that would um, write out the check to the retirement fund and then put it on his dresser. And he accumulated a lot of these and his financial planner called him one day and said, where are the checks? And he said, on my desk. And he's like, what are they doing there? And he's like, you never know when I might need that money. I'm in business. And the planner kind of yelled at him and said, you got to send them in. Obviously, there was something going on there that wasn't very obvious. And I had asked him, what does retirement mean to you? Or that, that's what I asked him when he told me the story. And he thought, he said, you know, it means you die. And as he talked, every male in his family that retired had died within two years. And he didn't find funding his death particularly compelling reason to, to send in the checks. So, you know, all of these behaviors that we have can be quite deeply rooted. And that includes uh, stopping our frugality and starting our spending. And I can't underscore how difficult this is. I, I can think of a client I had that could have spent three times what they were spending. And we'd talk and I would tell them this. We'd even joke that I was trying to help them spend more money. But it just, the emotions were so deep around the fear of beginning to spend the money that going into action wasn't allowed. So some of the things I think that might be able to help person who's beginning to deal with this, and, and it's quite common, it, it really is quite common with people that have accumulated wealth. I, I really want to underscore this. So that's the first thing to really take away is that frugality syndrome is normal. It's a, an additional transition to go through in retirement. So retirement is one huge transition. And another transition in that for these folks is settling in and becoming okay 
and dropping the anxiety, working through the anxiety that's around receiving a monthly check from one's uh, retirement. And of course, I've talked about ways that, that we do this. A person, there's a smart way to begin withdrawing from portfolio where you withdraw two or three, maybe at the very most 4% of the um, portfolio. And if the portfolio is earning four or five or 6% and inflation is one or 2%, it's going to continue to keep pace with inflation, even though a person is drawing from it. But that's all the logical data, right? That doesn't <laughs> go well or isn't received well by uh, the parts of us that are so afraid to draw down on that money. So um, one thing you could can do for yourself is if you find yourself in this position, maybe do a dialogue with that part that is afraid of um, drawing down. It's uh, similar to the empty chair and gestalt therapy where you ask yourself, what, what, what are you afraid will happen as you're talking to this, this part of yourself that's scared of, of uh, drawing down on the money? And then you can write down its answer and then you can ask it another question and then you write down its answer. It's like you're playing you and then you're taking the position of this part and then you're back to you and you're, you take the position of this part. And it can be an incredibly powerful exercise. It's something I do in the uh, graduate course I teach at Golden Gate University. And typically every course I will have a handful of students that said it was one of the most powerful tools that we taught in the course. So you might try that. Find out. Drill down on the part of you that's really afraid to uh, to start spending that money. And typically you can work that fear or follow that fear back to childhood. Usually a lot of these money scripts uh, begin in childhood. And of course, this is something that you can do too. Talked a lot about um, in this podcast uh, are about IFS, Internal Family System, Informed Financial Therapy. And this is something you can do in that process in, in working with this part with the assistance of a facilitator that can help you. Maybe something else that can help uh, these, uh, these parts relax that are so afraid is preparing a spending plan. So just like a person prepares a plan to accumulate wealth, now you can put together a spending plan that will ensure you're not going to overspend. Sometimes the fear is, well, I'm going to run out of money. I don't want to start drawing out of my funds because I'm afraid I'll run out of money. A perfectly reasonable fear, right? So uh, put together a spending plan that will encompass everything with retirement, uh, even giving to kids. 
you know, giving to kids when they have a crisis. And you can actually set up a, a fund that you can fund so that when the kids call, you can say, hey, well, I can afford to give you a thousand or two thousand or five thousand dollars. And you know you're not going to blow your retirement plan. So in setting up a clear spending limits, this can really help the anxiety around drawing down from your nest egg. And another thing I've already alluded to is that this is probably a good time in life when you're looking at this, and especially if you're having a lot of anxiety around beginning to draw on your nest egg, is to get a second opinion. Get the equivalent of a checkup, a financial checkup, and find out from a uh, fiduciary financial planner that typically is one that is not conflicted, doesn't have a conflict in selling products, so typically one that is fee-for-service, that can take a look at things and uh, give you a second opinion on how much you can be spending. Again, this can be just a huge anxiety reliever when you're looking at beginning to spend down this inheritance. So those are some of the things that I think about in making the transition of saver to spender. And it's something to prepare for. Okay, it's something to prepare for. You might think that you're going to make that transition no problem. You know, if you're a few years from retirement, five years, even 10 years, it's maybe not too soon to start doing some work around this and preparing for this transition and looking at your money scripts, looking at all of your beliefs and thoughts around accumulating and around spending money. Because when you hit that retirement age, I mean, this is often something that, that will take a little while and some real focused effort to work through. I mean, you, of course, you don't have to do it. Many folks, I mean, I have many clients that are not drawing from their nest eggs whatsoever, and they're going to leave a nice uh, inheritance. Well, assuming, well, we don't know what's going to, to happen at, at the time of recording this with the uh, potential uh, Biden tax plan, which may take away the step up in basis. So you may leave less than you're hoping to leave, but nevertheless, if you never touch it, you're going to leave something to charities or, or your heirs. If that's your intent, that's great. I would say 98% of my clients are um, what we call die brokers. And those are folks that would be very happy if when they take their last breath, they spend their last penny. <laughs> but I tell you what, you're not going to be successful being a die broker if you have frugality syndrome. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult because to die broke, you really do have to consume your principal, right? And dying broke is um, can be difficult to do 
because to do this successfully, you kind of got to know the day that you're going to pass on. <laughs> so, so if you don't die broke, but you go broke before you die, this is not a good thing, right? So it, it's quite a dance. But um, certainly we know that the older you are, the more that you can spend because your time is somewhat limited. So as a person goes through retirement, when you when a person starts hitting the 80s and certainly the 90s, a person can can step up spending the principal with more confidence than you can when you're in your 60s. So all that's very logical. And like we say, financial issues are not about the money. It's the name of this podcast. It's not just about the money. It's really easy to do the math and figure out what you can spend and um, figure out what that withdrawal can be. But it's a whole different thing when we look at it emotionally. And we know that 80 to 100% of all financial decisions are emotional in nature. So... I would encourage you if uh, you're having anxiety around this, if you're having fear, it's normal, but uh, absolutely reach out and get some help in this process. And I, I know just the, the personal work that I've done around spending. I mean, obviously, probably no surprise to you that I have been uh, pretty frugal and have had a lot of money scripts around spending money. And I'm not in retirement yet. I'm of retirement age, but I'm not in retirement yet. I have been noticing as I have done my own IFS therapy uh, around my finances, a relaxing in spending money and a, an acknowledgement or a, a deeper sense of peace around spending money that I obviously can afford, right? Because um, in the past, uh, one of my great scripts is I can't afford it. And I can't afford it can be said whether you really can or not, right? So it's when you're saying, I can't afford it, when you can afford it, that can be problematic. And of course, there's folks that will say, I can't afford it when they can't afford it, right? And that's a whole other set of emotional issues. But we're talking about folks who are frugal, who will have parts of themselves saying, I can't afford it, when they absolutely can. So, all right, out of time again on this segment. I really appreciate you uh, joining me. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at rick at kaylordfinancial.com. Be happy to um, perhaps address your questions in a future podcast. So, thank you. Take care. And we'll look forward to being together again next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.